we've been teaching for a little while now on prayer called It Really Works. And so we're going to talk about that today, kind of change directions a little bit because we've been talking about what makes it work, what makes it not work, because do you know prayer is not an automatic thing? And we've looked at so many scriptures now that a lot of prayer depends on us. I know people don't like that, but those are the facts. You with me? And we've looked at that. And is God an integral part of prayer? Yes. But the sooner we recognize that there's our part, we won't be shaking our fist at God going, what's your problem, God? You with me? Because then, is God really holding back things from his kids and from his children and the people he loves? So then in all reality, if I can be honest and look in the scripture and see that a lot of answered prayer or non-answered prayer is really based on me or individuals, then instead of me shaking my fist at God and being mad at him for 35 years, I can look at myself and go, God, what do I need to do to change so we can get this ball rolling and things can happen? And so we're going to talk about today prayer, obviously, because we're going to continue, but I'm going to talk from a different standpoint, and we're going to talk about being oriented and disoriented. Well, I said, what are you talking about? Well, when I was a youth pastor for years and years, we used to, when we'd go to camps or do different games, we had this one, and a lot of you probably have seen it, where you do like relays, and at the end of the one leg of the relay, there's bats laying on the ground, and then you run, the first one there picks up the bat, puts it on their forehead, not straight forward, and you lean over, and you have to spin around like 10 times, and then run back. And the great thing is, is it's more for the entertainment of those watching, I think, than those playing the game, but it, what it does when you spin around, it disorients you. You with me? And all of a sudden you decide, I'm going to run straight, and people just fall into the ground and eat it real hard. And it's really cool to watch <laughs> as long as you're not the one on the bat. You're like, go, go, do it faster. Let's, let's do that again. But as long as it's not us. What happens is they ran down accurately to the target. Now they're going back to the target, but there's something that has dramatically changed their orientation. They have become disoriented. It seems like I should go this way, and they're down in the dirt. And so I want to talk about getting oriented, going from being disoriented to oriented or staying oriented. You know what I mean? Here's the definition, and this will help you. It, to be disoriented is to feel lost and confused. People who are disoriented either don't know where they are because they've lost their sense of direction. Now, you can be a lost person and be disoriented, but you can be a Christian and be disoriented. And it goes on to say in this definition, or they don't know who they are because they've lost their sense of, of self or their, who, their own identity. Uh, disoriented people feel confused, particularly about place, where they're at, and not only place, but purpose. Well, this is huge. That's a natural def definition of disoriented. So how many times have we heard in life 
of people who's got, got all the money in the world, whatever, and they say, I just don't even know who I am. No Christian should ever say, I don't know who I am. No Christian should ever say, I, I just don't know what to do. Now, when I say that, I understand people do. But that shouldn't be the end, and it shouldn't be an ongoing thing. I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am. It should be short-lived for a Christian. You with me? It should be short-lived for every Christian. You may come to a place and say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm confused where I'm at. You're disoriented. You know, and here's a part of it. One of them, they don't know time. Disorientation, you cannot know time. And no Christian has to live where they don't know the time. You know, there's a lot of people who don't know the time. And, and you say, well, I know what time it is. It's like 10-something. No, no, not that kind of time. You know, we teach a little bit here and there about natural time and say, when you're young, store up for when you're old, get a retirement account, do this, make wise investments, buy a home so you have some equity or something like that. You know, we, just, we say different things, do, do certain things to prepare for another time. And we recognize the best time to do that is not when you're 98 years old start saving. Unless you make really, really good money, then okay. Like millions. So what happens is people are disoriented concerning time, but how many people are truly disoriented con concerning spiritual time? Jesus said this to the people when he walked on the earth. They were watching miracles and it's wild. There were people watching miracles, watching Jesus do miracles, and they tried to kill him. They'd see one and then go, let's kill him. Hey, you guys want to go to this church? Christ the nation's real good. They pray for the sick. I saw somebody get healed. Then they're sitting here on the side. We should kill that dude. That happened to Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, he said to the religious people, he said, you don't even know the time of your visitation. Here God shows up in the flesh, and they don't even know what time it is. They're disoriented. He even said, search the scriptures. He said, in them they proclaim me, and you don't even know it. They're totally disoriented. They got the road map, and they don't even know and they're not even sure. But could we as believers be living near the end of time? And people could be living like we have a thousand years left or hundreds of years left. And uh, if you know Bible stuff, I'm not trying to say the second coming of the Lord is happening today or tomorrow at all. But I am quite interested to watch the things that are happening because things are occurring that have never existed. And the Bible's plain. We definitely are closer to the end. I mean, pretty close to the end. Now, I'm not trying to say, hey, tomorrow we're gone or this is going to happen. I'm definitely not saying that. But somebody said, well, cool, then I got more time. No, 
Because your decisions don't just affect you. When you're disoriented, they can affect other people. There's a captain on a boat uh, recently in Florida. Maybe some of you read about it, and he got drunk, got on drugs, started driving in circles, and endangered the whole group. I was on a boat one time and uh, going to Catalina Island, an 85-foot boat going full blast in the middle of the night. I knew something was up when I got on the, before I even got on the boat. I should have paid attention better. But I was there with a couple other ministers, and there's a bunch of people. We're going out to Catalina Island. In the middle of the night, we hear the stud, 3.30 in the morning. We crashed into the island going full blast on this boat. We missed a big rock on one side. They wrote up an article in one of the papers in Southern California, three priests on a boat. Well, I'm not a priest. I said, thank you, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, this is why. And the guys are like, did you hear three priests are on the boat? They're telling me they don't know I'm one of the priests, you know, and, but not really. And, uh, but what happened was that guy uh, decided because they had their, the when the warm waters of El Nino come it pushes the game fish up the coast and then fishing is it's kind of like feast and famine you you just people want to get on these boats and go so these guys make all kinds of money so that it, they just they just go 24 hours a day they come back go back out well they'd been going and going and going it was a Sunday night uh, Monday was my day off so we went out there the guy getting real tired, he turns off his like sonar and the things that detect land because it, you know, makes different noise, thinks I'm just going to rest a minute, falls completely asleep. I remember I came down to tell the pastor I was under at that time serving in that church, and I used to joke around a little bit. And I woke him up, I said, we crashed into the island. He's like, whatever. I'm all, no, serious, we crashed into the island. He's all, this better be a good one. <laughs> and we, he, I got him up from, because there just bunks down below. He opens up the door, and he's like, we crashed into the island. I said, I know. <laughs> one guy could have killed all those people because he was disoriented, didn't know what time it was, didn't know how close he was to the island, none of that. And so don't think that our decisions don't affect a lot of other people. Thank you. So anyway, we're going to talk about getting oriented or uh, spiritually oriented. And prayer, if, if anything, prayer should orient us spiritually. It's one of the fundamental things that should uh, get us to know who we are, where we're at, give us answers when we don't have answers. And uh, people need real answers from God. And here's the thing, you could sit down with me and we could do counseling, and I'm not opposed to talking to people whatsoever, but, you know, I could give you an answer if I'm just speaking from myself that may be a good scriptural answer, but there's a different scriptural type of answer. God knows it. Every believer is responsible for their own orientation instead of being disoriented in life. And how do I get there? Turn to Romans, the eighth chapter. God has made it this way, and it's the privilege of every believer 
to have direction from God. People are dissatisfied, disoriented, not knowing who they are, where to go, what to do, because they have not been oriented by God. In other words, God can deal with you and cause you to know. I know the first time I went into this one church in California, uh, I walked in the back door and I, I walked in. I'd been praying. I was like, God, I need to know where I'm supposed to be. I walked in the door and nobody was really friendly. But on the inside, I was like, this is home. There was like something deep down. I went, this is it. Now, some people would look and go, they weren't friendly. They didn't talk to you. What about this? And what about that? I knew this. If I want to be oriented, it can't be all that other stuff. It has to be from God. And I literally knew that I knew. I mean, how many Christians have walked into a home when you're buying a home and went, we shouldn't get this. But you're like, oh, it looks good. How many people have gone and went, oh, I'm going to get this car. It looks good. And you're like, ooh, deep down. Or another time you went in and thought, oh, this is beyond what I should be doing right now. I just don't think, but some, for some reason, I know it's right as a Christian. I remember this one girl, she hadn't been saved long. She had given her life to the Lord. I had talked to her about a month after she would given her life to the Lord. She said, I don't know what's going on. She said, but I, this guy came into where I work, asked me out on a date. I, she said, I looked at him and thought, he looks good. That's the prerequisite. Now, I'm not saying, oh, just go with anybody that doesn't appeal to you. But she said, I went out to eat. And she said, the whole time I was sitting there across the table in my head, I'm thinking, he looks good. And something down inside was just scratching. It was like, ugh, this isn't right. Something's wrong. And she said, you know, I went back out with him again. Sat back across the table from him. And something in me, she said, this hasn't happened to me before. And I'm thinking God's trying to orient her to life and purpose and destiny. And if she gets hooked up with this, she know, he knows something beyond what she sees. And so prayer should be the thing that orients us, gets us where we're not confused, where we're not like running the wrong direction. How many times has God tried to direct his people? And when we face something and don't know what to do, we need to ask the Lord. We need to talk to him and we need to be serious and say, hey, what, what's the deal here? What do I need to do? What's going on? And we should not be pressured to just make decisions. Notice this in Romans, the eighth chapter. And to me, the eighth chapter is really teaching about the Holy Spirit and how he works in different aspects. And in verse 15, it says, for you, and he's writing to people who have given their life to the Lord. So anybody who is saved should expect this. He said, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, God. In other words, when somebody gives their life to the Lord, 
wherever the Spirit comes into them, and we know, and we may look at this, we may not today, but according to the Scripture, Jesus said, out of your innermost being, some Scriptures say, out of your belly. You ever, once you gave your life to the Lord, knew things way deep down inside? You ever read a Scripture after you got saved, and something you, you, you read it, and it went boing, and you went, whoa, man, you see that. That's not up in your head. You notice it way down here. Why? Because you become a new creation in Christ. What's the new part? Your mind? No. Your body? No. Wouldn't that be nice? Man, we'd fill this place up. Get a new body? Come on in. No, it's a new spirit. You don't get a new body till the Lord comes back. But it goes on to say, the Spirit Himself or this Spirit that's in you that cries out, Abba, Father. That tells me there's something in me after I've given my life to the Lord that wants to fellowship with God. That, that there is a drive to spend time with Him. You with me? And if I don't respond to that drive then I'm going to be frustrating or locking something away in myself. What am I going to lock away? Uh, we may not like this, but God. Somebody said, how can you lock away God? You guys all have Bibles, right? You had an opportunity to borrow one at least. Go read the Old Testament. It said they limited the Holy One of Israel. Again and again it said they limited him. God will not force himself, but if you'll do things, he'll deal with you after you've given your life to him. He'll deal with you deep down inside. How many have known what we needed to do? I knew I needed to do that. I know I need to do that. I want to do that. Nobody's ever been there? Liar, liar. Pants on fire. If we could see you in the spirit right now, your pants would be burning. So he's like, I am in the hot seat right now. No, it, God endeavors to lead all of his children, and he always does it for your good. Somebody said, no, no, it's not comfortable. I didn't say it was comfortable, but the ultimate play is for your good. How many times have people had to make an investment in a property or in a stock, and it kind of strapped them a little bit to do it. But then as it played out, you went, I'm so glad. I, it kind of cramped my style at the beginning. It kind of cramped my life a little bit at the beginning. But now look at it. Man, this is paying off. And it didn't pay off overnight. And with God, he's ultimately looking out for your best. Bible said natural parents direct and correct us as it seems good to them. It said he does it for your benefit. That's an interesting thought because of how people sometimes approach direction from God. Optional, he's trying to cramp my style, but I need this now. I got to do this. Everybody else is. But he's doing it for your good. 
I should take that mentality and go, okay, it may not be good right now in the sense I may suffer in the flesh. You know, it hurts a little to do this because it's cramping my mentality that wants to do it my way. And go for it and it'll pay off. But notice, he gave us the Spirit to give us what? An inward call to him. But then not only that, it said the Spirit himself, the one who makes us want a fellowship with God. Notice this phrase, bears witness with your spirit. Notice it, what it doesn't say. It doesn't say he speaks audibly. Now, I believe the Lord can, but I don't believe his primary way of direction is that way. Jesus perceived things in his spirit. Paul, one of the writers in the New Testament, perceived things in his spirit. And here he's talking to believers and he said, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. And remember, Proverbs twenty twenty seven said, The spirit of a man, which would include a woman, mankind, the spirit of a man is the candle or the light bulb or the place where God gives light or understanding. Searching all the inner chambers of the belly. No wonder Jesus used that term and other writers in the Bible use that term. So when the Spirit bears witness with your spirit, there's a witness down here. Not in your mind, way down here. You ever went to say something, well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And you knew, don't give them a piece of this. In your spirit, you're like, don't, don't say this. And you're like, I'm saying it. And you did, and inside you went, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. And your mind went, well, at least you said that. You needed to say that. And you went, I shouldn't have done that. But you knew it way down inside. You ever gone somewhere? I've had this happen to me numerous times. God cares about stuff. I've gone to go buy something for somebody, a birthday gift. I've done this before, gone and had a friend like basketball, so I thought, I'm going to give him a brand new basketball. Went into the store to buy him a brand new basketball, grabbed the thing, and down on the inside, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't do that. I'm like, well, I want to get him a gift. And then I, you know, you go, okay, wrestle with it, didn't do it, left, go to the party, he got two other basketballs. Well, I could have started a collection for him and give him a third one. You with me? There have been times I've gone into a store and known they don't have it, what I'm looking for. Just knew it on the inside, God bearing witness. I mean, one time I caught this rare fish when I was on vacation in Montana. It was completely shiny black like this podium with these little white dots all over the whole thing. I'd fished in this lake since I was a little kid, never seen one. One of our neighbors up there, two doors down, uh, was a teacher at Colorado State University and was into biology and all this stuff. And he knew the marine biologists of the lake. I showed him the fish. He said, I've never seen anything like that. You need to go take this down or take them pictures because I had put it on a stringer and left it behind the boat on the dock. And so I thought, I'm just going to go down there and talk to the guys, the marine biologists. He said, tell them, you know, they'll be fascinated to see this. So I literally got in the car and started driving as soon as I just got about a quarter mile, eighth of a mile down on the inside. Not even an impression, a still small voice. And that's how the Lord can deal with you. He just said, that's a discolored lake trout. 
said, oh. So I just turned around and drove around back. That guy saw me, and he said, did you find out what it is? I said, yeah, I found out what it is. I said, it's a discolored lake trout. He's all, they told you that? I didn't answer. <laughs> I came back here, and I saw a taxidermist. I said, uh, have you ever heard of a whatever and showed him the pictures? He said, oh, that's a lake trout. He said, it's discolored. He said, well, could I have copies of that? Because occasionally people will catch one and want to throw it back because of what it is. And, and I can get a regular lake trout. If I have those pictures, then I can paint it according to this. So I'm like, okay. Then saw another taxidermist because I went back to California, told me the same thing, asked for the pictures too. God knew that. And he's not even a marine biologist. <laughs> he's the creator of all that. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. What we need to understand, it's a child's right to be directed. I mean, think about it. How easy could it have been for me just to drive into town that eight or ten miles, but God didn't even want me to waste my time. And uh, when you start being led, if you'll inquire of the Lord, he'll deal with you. I said, he will deal with you about things beyond your head. And you'll get oriented in life. In, but here's the thing. He'll deal with you, but you've got to obey it. Yeah, hallelujah. I read this verse the other day at prayer, Friday. Turn to John 3. John, the third chapter. It's a child's right, and if you've given your life to the Lord, it is your right to be led by God, but you need to inquire of Him. Start talking to Him. If you don't know the answer when you pray, don't think He didn't hear you. Your mind could just be so noisy and so cluttered, you don't get the direction on the inside, or you need to get to church to get it, or get quiet, and you'll be driving around, and all of a sudden you just know it. Or you're doing yard work, and your mind gets quiet, and all of a sudden you know it. Or you're at a movie, and your mind kind of disengages, and up out of your spirit, it'll rise up. You'll get his direction if you'll inquire of him. Uh, John 3, most of you are familiar if you've read your Bible or heard these stories. John 3, verse... Uh, uh, Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, this is to Nicodemus, this religious guy who is a religious leader who's supposed to know spiritual things. Let that sink in. And he came to Jesus who is this spiritual leader also who does know things. And he said, Jesus answered and said to him, because he called him a teacher, and said, we, it, we all recognize you're from God because of these miracles that happen, and not only because of these miracles, uh, but we recognize the wisdom and all this stuff. You, you're a teacher sent from God. So he calls him a teacher. Jesus said this to him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, now, let's take a time out. Unless one is born again. It's a good question. Have you been born again? He didn't say, have you been baptized? He didn't say, are you a member of a church? He didn't say, are you a good person or a bad person? He said, have, you must be born again. Well, what is it to be born again? 
how many people are getting born again? You know, I went to church the other day. I got born again. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, I could tell because you were like six feet, but now you're like a foot and a half tall. I noticed something was up. You, I didn't know what that was, you know. I noticed tall people go into that church, and then they come out, and they're real little. I was like, what is going on in there? There's some, something's happening. How did you drive home after that? Well, I, I got born again, but I was able to make it home. Is that what Jesus was talking about? But it was he talking about a real experience? Yeah, so it couldn't be a physical experience. Or you could see that, right? Next week, all of you that got born again, go to the nursery. No, notice this. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again. So unless this happens to an individual, the next part may not happen either. Notice. Unless one is born again, he cannot, so we can change it from may not happen to will not. What will not happen? Now, some of you have read this verse and know this verse or have read beyond because you're like three verses down not listening to what I'm saying right now. You're like, oh, this is an interesting story. Look at this. Look. No, don't do that. Come back. He cannot... He cannot, so that means anybody who's not born again cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, don't let that fool you and think you're not going to go to heaven and see the kingdom, because that's not what he was talking about. Jesus was not being elusive here. He was helping, and he was saying, if you're not born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. Somebody said, right, you're not going to go to heaven. No, that's not what he said. Because after you get born again, you will see the kingdom of God. They said, really? I'm saved and I don't. No, if you're saved, you do see the things of the kingdom of God. Here's the word see. The word see literally means to perceive and grasp. He said, you're a teacher. Jesus answered and said, unless you're born again, you're not going to perceive and grasp what I'm teaching. How many people after they gave their life to the Lord, the Bible became a different book? Why? They started seeing and grasping the principles, the way of the kingdom. One of the great things after a person is saved is the book changes. Totally changes. And then when you read it, there's an ability to grasp, but it's down inside. You get oriented. Where? From the inside out. Except you be born again, you cannot see, perceive, and grasp the things of the kingdom. He, was he talking natural? Look at verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter into, enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's thinking natural. Jesus said, dude. Now remember, we've got two spiritual leaders here. One can't even put his spiritual pants on. 
And the other's like, uh, dude, that Jesus one who said dude. Anyway, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, after he said, can you enter into the mother's womb? So he's going to answer that question. I say to you, unless one is born of the water, what's the first thing happens right when somebody's about to be born? The water breaks because they're born in water or from water. This is not water baptism because he's going to explain it. And he said, and the spirit, he cannot enter or come into the kingdom. Remember, when we get saved, the Bible said we're transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. And then Jesus said, and at that time, the kingdom comes to be in you. And then he said this, that which is born of the flesh, he's clearing it up, is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He said, do not marvel that I said you must be born again. He was not talking about natural birth. He said, that, he said the wind blows where it wishes, and we hear the sound, but we cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We don't perceive and understand why they go and come and do the things that they do. Or at least have the opportunity if they would follow. Notice this, Nicodemus, and there's a higher thought to that too. The world may say we all die and go to the same place. Uh-uh. Thank you. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him again, how can these things be? Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about believers having the right to be led and praying and inquiring of the Lord concerning all different kinds of areas of life. People who are dissatisfied need to inquire of the Lord and talk to Him because the Christian life and the walk with God should be satisfying. I should be the most fulfilled person I didn't say be outside of temptation. I didn't say be outside of opposition, but I should be fulfilled. You should be fulfilled. We should be inwardly confident. But we've got to follow the orientation we get. If the Lord deals with you that he loves you out of the scripture and you've been praying, then don't go, well, how come people treat me like this? Who cares? If you live through their head, you're going to be miserable. Okay, we'll just keep going. And so he said, Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? This, these two verses right here are profound. Jesus answered and said to him, are you a teacher of Israel? Remember, he got called a teacher. And now, now he, Jesus, is saying, Aren't you, you're a teacher of Israel. We know you're a teacher. That's how it started. We know you're a teacher. Here are your credentials, miracles, and all this stuff. Now Jesus flips the table and goes, are you not a teacher? And then he basically makes this statement. He said, are you the teacher of Israel? 
remember who got the commandments and who got the, the ways of God. The, 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 the covenant back then, we're in a new covenant, but the people of Israel, not the world. So you're supposed to be, you're the one who's supposed to be representing God and teaching the people correctly. And Jesus said, are you a teacher of Israel? And do you know, not know these things? Yikes. You're God's representation here of this covenant that Moses gave that came from God. I'm telling you some spiritual stuff, and don't, don't you even know this? You're a teacher. I'm a teacher. That's what Jesus said, and he said, do you not know this? This verse right here is, is wild. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify to what we have seen. Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot see, perceive. You could change it like this and say, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify to what we've seen or perceived or have grasped. And you do not receive my witness. Why doesn't he? He hasn't seen it. He hasn't grasped it. He doesn't know it. But he said the privilege of seeing and knowing things is for the believer. Psalm 119.105 says, You know, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If we would pray and inquire of the Lord, he would direct our path. Where is he going to direct your path? Lord, where should I go? What should I do with my life? Give me a sign. Well, if you drive down the street, we all may end up at McDonald's because it says McDonald's two miles ahead with an arrow. That's it. Go to McDonald's. Show me what to do once I get there. Would you like to supersize that order? Direction from God. No, it's not. You can't look outward. You must look inward for direction. And, and we know that if we would obey the direction, think of this. You want to walk in God's will? Obey his leadings. Oh, I know what to do. I want to walk in his will. That, but I don't want to do that thing. That counts for the whole. I knew this was going to go over good. I knew everybody would be shouting and stuff like that. But, but here's a thought that you need to know concerning God's leadings will never direct you outside the Word of God. Well, God just knows my heart. Therefore, I can do this. God just knows we're really married. Does he? Does he now? Yeah, he just knows we're married. I mean, not in the sight of men or anything, but just spiritually. Oh, really? Well, God just knows, you know, I was, I was just not treated right as a young person, so that's why I do this, but God knows. But then as we pray and God deals with us to let things go, 
More like, God knows it's, God knows. Yeah, that's why he's dealing with you. Oh, hallelujah. So how does God deal with us with an inward witness, an inward knowing? What if I don't have it immediately when I pray? I pray till I know. Whether I get it then, I will get it. If you're a Christian, you can be guaranteed that God will deal with you on the inside. You'll have an inward knowing. I mean, you, if you would pay attention, you would pray. You don't, I want to want you to hear this right. Don't take everything I say as personally yours. In other words, I could get up here and say, God says, you know, quit stealing. You're like, great, where am I stealing? If you're not stealing, don't take that. But if you know and something on the inside of you, and you're like, I've been knowing this, I need to do this. I mean, I may not even bring up what the thing is, but you could just sit here in this atmosphere, and all of a sudden you know something. I'm talking about being led and inquiring, and the Lord deals with you about something completely different. This is the most incredible thing. I don't know. That, to me, how cool is this? You go to church and then God would deal with you. For real. Somebody says, well, he didn't deal with me. Well, keep coming. Give your life to the Lord if you haven't. And if, it doesn't, and if you didn't get dealt with today, you will. And, but then obey. Then life gets better. You with me? So what do we need to do? Get oriented. Pray. Spend some time with God. What if I don't hear? Spend some more time tomorrow. What if I don't hear? Spend some more time the next day. You will hear because the Bible said seek, and you will find. Seek, and the Bible talks about he'll show you great and mighty things that you know not. But once you... Here, you know. I don't know about you. I want to pray. Why? Because I want to know more. The more I know, the more oriented I am and the less confused and disoriented I am. Same thing goes with you. You with me? Everybody else is going that way? Not me. Why not? I know. Well, that makes no sense. That's okay. I'm not living by what makes sense. I'm, I'm living by the Lord. And that does make sense, whether it doesn't to your head. Amen? 